0: Good afternoon. Hope you are doing fantastic and staying nice and warm wherever you are. So um, I will say that uh, there are several things in life that comes with warnings. For instance, do not smoke when you pump gas. That's a warning. That's also the same warning in our tent, by the way. I just want you to know that. Um, those of you that have never been to our tent we do have a sign up right here that says no smoking in the tent of course that is a code that we have to uh, have with having the tent up but warnings warnings are very uh, important so don't run out in the middle of the road without looking both ways because there is a warning that a car could come and take you out so we have a warning don't go across the street and look both ways and I get in my car and there's a warning when I turn on the car, especially over the last couple of days, and it says, possible icy patches. Be careful. There's a warning. I don't know if your car does that, but my, my truck does that. And so it tells us that there is something that is a warning. I remember the first time I went to eat sushi, and I was not warned over some green stuff. Okay? As a matter of fact... Um, the aforementioned Adam King explained to me that the green stuff was guacamole. I did not know that it was wasabi. Is that right? It's wasabi. And complicit in this experience was David Amon across the table. And I was not warned, I was not warned that wasabi is extremely hot. That's a bad, that's a bad thing. Well, well here, here's, a, here's the situation. The God in heaven desires for you to be a disciple and for me to be a disciple. For us to help people to trust, love, and obey Jesus while we're doing the same thing. And there are warnings throughout all of Scripture. And I think today is one of the biggest warnings. As a matter of fact, I felt the Lord really sort of changing directions for me because I thought that I was going to preach 5 through 11. And then I just really felt like the Lord said, slow it down, let's do 5 through 7. And let's talk about one of the greatest warnings to your relationship with Christ, to my relationship with Christ, and that is the issue or the sin of pride. And I thought, really, when I looked at verses 5, 6, and 7, I thought he mentions pride or humility, or he mentions pride several times throughout these three verses, and I think it's really important for us to really stop and really address one of the biggest dangers in our relationship with Christ, and that is our, our pride. And I would say that of the seven deadly sins that there's often talked about, most of them can even be attributed to this one right here. Um, so, so let's just sort of set the stage for let's talk about pride just a little bit. First and foremost, pride. Um, here's, an, here's a definition for you that I, I researched and came up with right now. Here's what it says. Pride is excessive belief in one's own abilities that interferes with the individual's recognition of the grace of God. It has been called the sin from which all others arise. You have to really, what I'm hoping you'll do during this message and even this week, is you will sit back and you will reflect how does pride manifest itself in your life? How does it it manifest itself? Is it in parenting? Hey, I want my kids to be and act a certain way, and so therefore I'm just going after their behavior because of pride, wanting them to be or act or be something that we want. Of course, correcting behavior is, is not wrong in and of itself, but a dangerous, dangerous um, place of being in pride allows us to be in, in, in not in a ongoing, growing relationship with God, and that's what's at stake. This sin, this sin of pride, really disrupts the marriage, the relationship horizontally here as a church, and it disrupts all relationships, honestly. And the one it affects the most is our relationship with King Jesus. And so... Over the next three verses, I think what takes place here is that Peter gives us such a warning of what pride will do. It will rob us, I believe, of five things, and those are, gonna, those are in your outline. But I think over this text right here, we're going to take a look at the five things that pride will, will rob us of. And I don't think we have to really come up with a... a, a, a I don't think you have to be really convinced really hard to see that this is a big deal in our relationship with other people and with God. I think when you asked counselors, counsel, many counselors were polled, I did some study, many counselors were polled and they said, what is the biggest issue that you currently deal with? She said, they, they said, the counselors in general said, well, depression, anxiety, marital conflict are all on the list, but the one that may surprise you the most, or maybe it doesn't surprise you the most, is that the, what it all comes down to, which is number one, is the issue or the sin of pride. That was pulled by several biblical counselors who were asked that question, and so we know that Proverbs 16:11, excuse me, 16:18 says, "Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall." The scripture. The Bible is full of examples of what takes place when we give ourselves over to this this life of pride, or we're not aware of what it is. We're not aware of how it manifests itself in our life. And therefore, as a result of not being aware of those things, it robs us of things that God said we could have, or we could be a part of, or that we could experience. And so... The way that I, I have framed the outline here for our text this morning is to take a look at the five things that pride pride robs us of, all right? Five things that pride robs us of. I'm going to go ahead and read 1 Peter 5, verses 5 through 7. I'm going to read all of that at one time, and then we'll break it down together. Here's what it says, verse 5. Remember last week we talked about elders, All right, shepherding the flock. And then he continues that a little bit right here in verse verse five. Look at verse five. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If you want to highlight or circle that, that's the warning. That's what stuck out to me so much that even allowed me to say, hey, I'm not going to go past verse seven. I think we need to stop at seven. So, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because, why? He cares for you. So, let's go ahead and see what the text says. The first thing that I think that we see here is pride robs us of godly wisdom that is available to us. Pride robs us of godly wisdom that is available to us. Remember what Charlie talked about. So he did such a great job last week, and so Charlie was talking about what it means to be an elder and to lead. And we want to lead as elders. We want a shepherd. That means to care. We want to do so eagerly and willingly, not under uh, shameful gain or compulsion or domineering. But we want to lead. We want to care for the flock. We want to do so eagerly and willingly, as the text says. And then he comes down and he says, "Hey." Here's what I want you to do. I want you, specifically, he highlights younger people in the congregation, younger people in the church. I want you to recognize that there are people that are older than you, that have more experience than you, and that they are wise, and that they are there to help you. But what pride says is, I don't need that. I don't have to submit myself to that. And thereby, that kind of an attitude suggests that we are robbing ourselves of biblical wisdom that is available to us. And that's not what Peter would have us to hear, and that's certainly not what God would have us to hear. God, in his, in, in his sovereignty, established the church to have elders that they would not lord over us, but they would lead us. And he says, hey, hey, you who are younger, younger in the faith, younger in age, I want you to, to, to submit yourself under their leadership, but I want you also to recognize that God has given them some wisdom to help us as we become disciples who make disciples. He, he, he is saying, in essence, this is certainly not a weakness. This is not a weakness to submit in this way. This is actually a strength. And if you see it as a weakness, you're robbing yourself again of some that have been before you or older than you that have done some things, raised kids, whatever the case might be. They've been married longer than you. They have raised kids that are often grown and that they can, again, they can help us and that is a great, is a great source of wisdom. So pride, pride uh, robs us of godly wisdom that is available to us. Second thing, second thing is found in also verse 5, and it's the pride robs us of biblical community. Take a look at verse 5 again, and I'll continue after what it talks about when we submit ourselves to the elders. So it says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Then it says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. So here he's talking about the relationship in the church between us as believers, and he uses the word clothe yourself that word in its original translation has the meaning of an apron. So what he's trying to say is as you go out and serve and as you go out and do things, I want you to take the apron of humility and put it on yourself so that as you work with each other, serve with each other, make much of Jesus and are on mission with each other, that you are denying yourself as you serve with one another, which is what he, Hebrews, excuse me, Philippians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3 says, have this mind in you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Esteem others better than yourselves. We even try to memorize that uh, a couple of months ago. And, and so here's what, what he's looking. He's like, hey, he's, here's what I want you to see. If you fail to humble yourselves, if we fail to humble ourselves, if we give in to pride, give to give ourselves over to pride, then what that does is it's robbing you of the horizontal relationship that you have in biblical community. Because you are at the center. Your desires are at the center. And not a desire to serve and to serve other people, which is what he's saying here. So clothe means to put on the apron of a servant. An apron of servant, to go out and to, to serve. You see, pride robs from us because it lies to us. I'll say it again, pride robs from us because it lies to us. In biblical community, all of us are sinners. All of us suffer in one degree or another with an issue of pride, maybe some to a a further degree, a greater degree, but pride rears up its ugly head. And what God desires us to do is to be on mission with him, to help accomplish his purpose, for us to know him, for us to experience, and then when we are not prideful on this level, again it disrupts our community with with each other. I, I I have seen in the last the last three months, I have seen the biblical community just be devastated by the pride and the sin of Ravi Zacharias. And as a pastor, he is an, 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 an apologist who passed away at 74 years old back in, I believe, December. And what has come out is gross immorality. And this past Friday, there were several reports. And I have to tell you that Friday, for it must have been just an hour, I just pleaded with God not to be that person ever. I texted some friends that are pastors, and I said, okay, I've just read the report, and I'm begging you to, and I'm begging myself, these guys we've been together for a long time, one's in Charlotte, one's in uh, Fuquay, and just said, let us finish strong. Let us never say that we can't fall, lest we fall. But I have been devastated over this report, over someone who's really had a great influence in me. And, and and it just allowed me to see: hey, that's why we need to stop and just do three verses this week. To, to to recognize that we have an opportunity by the God of the universe to say, I want you to recognize this sin, I want you to repent of this sin, and I want you to constantly be doing that lest you fall. So, um, that 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 is something that really, really hurt a lot this week. Uh, n- number three, pride robs us of the grace of God that is... Wait, pride robs us of the grace God gives. Pride robs us of the grace God gives. Look at verse 5 and 6, verses 5 and 6. So the very last part, which I think is, if you want to, like I said before, is the warning of this text and really sort of the frame of the outline that I have for us this morning, using the word rob. And I want you to see the danger of what pride does to us as individuals and to our body. But here is the greatest warning to you and to me in regards to pride. It's God opposes the proud. Listen, write that down, circle that, hold that, copy that verse down remind yourself of it. Memorize that verse. It is God opposes. Here it is what we want to do in our lives. And I pray that this is what you want to do. And this is a work of the Holy Spirit, not me trying to pep, pep you up. What, what I hope that will resonate with you is that there is a desire in you to please God with everything in you. And the way we please God is we recognize what does God oppose. And he's not making any, any bones about it. He's not trying to hide this, this belief. He opposes the proud. And that should put us at a reverential fear of, of, of who he is. So he, he, opposes, he opposes the proud. Let's keep, keep going. Um, it, it, it places us at the mighty hand of God when we are proud. Look at verse six. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that the proper time he may exalt you. So here's what takes place when we humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. We are saying, God, I trust you. I believe in you and I want what's best. And what happens to is we're able to see his timing in all things. God, when you're coming back, just let me be ready. Let me be focused. Let me deny myself, take up my cross and follow you. And and one of the things that we want to be careful with is that pride puts us at the disposal of the mighty hand of God. And I want that for you and for me to be a great warning. That that's not a place that we want to position ourselves. That's not a place that we want to sit under. It's the mighty hand of God. Let that be a warning to you. Let that be a a warning that what pride does is it robs us of the grace that's available to us. So if we are prideful, what does it say? We are in opposition to God. We are in opposition to his might. But if we humble ourselves, then it says he gives grace. Opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So when we're living in pride, when we're living in that We are robbing ourselves of the great grace that's made available to us through the God of the universe. Uh, Number four, look at number four. Pride robs us of the peace that is ours. Pride robs us of God's peace. Look at what he says in verse seven. Verse seven, casting, what's that word? Casting what? Okay, all, I want to make sure, circle that, highlight that, okay? God cares about every single thing that's going on in your life. What pride does is it comes to us and it says to us, you don't give this to God, you handle it yourself, you white knuckle yourself through it, you can do it, you are God, you are sufficient. When the God of the universe has looked at us and said, hey, here's what I want you to do, you're weak, I understand that. My shoulders are bigger than yours. So I'm asking you and I'm inviting you, give it to me. I can take it. I can take all of yours, all of it. And that was demonstrated through the cross when he took upon all of the sin of the world, past, present, and future. He took that sin on his shoulders. Then Peter is quoting this verse in Proverbs and he's saying, cast your cares upon me for I care for you. Cast all your anxieties. I don't know about you. Are you anxious about anything at this moment? (laughs) You're probably saying, do you have time? Okay, I've got a list. Anxious, oh my gosh, I want the kids to go back to school. I want them to be social. I want them to learn. I'm afraid they're not going to be learning. Uh, What about standardized tests? I mean, we have the list, and lists can go on and on and on. And what we're trying to, what we're seeing here right now is that there is a God in heaven who says, I want you to cast all your cares upon me, but our pride right now allows us to see, not do that, not follow along with that, not accept that invitation. So pride is robbing us of the peace that only comes through Christ. Another thing pride robs us of is pride robs us of God's care for us. Here, casting all your anxieties. Don't forget that word all. Why? Because he cares for you. Listen, when we fail, when we walk in pride and live in pride and rest in pride and give ourselves over to pride, then what we are doing is we're allowing ourselves to be robbed of the great care from the great I am. God cares for you. God cares for me. God cares for all the things that are going on in our life, but he specifically cares for each and every one of us that That's who he is we just had a we just had the bucket dump at the waters at the water park I think it just that's what it felt like right now just, the bucket just turned all right, maybe not yeah. um, here, here's here's what the text here's what the text says in verse seven it says, casting all your anxieties on him why because he cares for you please don't forget that forgetting that. And giving yourself over to pride allows us to forget that God, one of his great acts of great mercy is how he cares for each and every one of us. He wants our anxieties. He wants all of those anxieties. And he wants you and I to know that he cares for us. Pride robs us. What pride says to us is, you know what? God's forgotten you. God doesn't care about you. God's not interested in you. You know what's better. God doesn't. Come back to this verse, recognizing that he wants all of our anxieties, and he wants you to know that, yes, he cares for us. And I am incredibly encouraged by that. A life of humility, a life of denying our pride, denying ourselves, will allow us to experience, uh, experience his care and not being robbed of his care because of living in a life of pride. Well, the question is, is where, where do we go from here? What, what do we do? And I've got a couple of questions that are in your worship center app that I really want you as a family, as a life group, to go through. Whatever way you want to do this, I feel like these questions will help you and help, help myself as we navigate what happens, how do we deal with the sin of pride? How do we overcome the sin of pride? How do we, how do we uh, keep it at bay? It rears its ugly head. And so the first question I have for us is, whose sins should I be focused on? Whose sins should I be focused on? When we give ourselves over to pride, what we naturally do is we are pointing out other people's sins as opposed to dealing with our sin. So we want to posture ourselves in a place before we start pointing out everybody else's sin, we're we're, we're constantly we're constantly aware of how we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and how God is there to restore us, to clean us up. And you can look at Romans 8.13 for that. Whose sins should I be focused on? Well, the answer is very clearly. We should be focused on our sins before we are focused on anyone else's sin. Certainly as a biblical community, we want to confront that. But, but in, in regards to marriage specifically, there is a huge danger right now when we are in conflict with a spouse and we are dealing with their sin, that's horizontal, and not dealing with our sin. And so that's, that's really dangerous. Well, the second question is, who is the focus of my joy, security, and contentment? 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9. I'm going to look over there and read that really quick because I have access real quick right here. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. Let me go ahead and read that for us. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you, do not, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So the question that we have in, in, in this question is whose joy or what joy are you looking for? What is the focus of your joy, security, and contentment? And that is obviously Christ. That is who completes us. That is who secures us. That is who gives us a hope that is inexpressible. And then finally, who should be the who should be the focus of my service? Who should be the focus of my service? Philippians 2, verses 2 and 3 says, as I said earlier, to esteem others better than ourselves. When we are living a life of humility, when we are rejecting pride, when we are repenting of pride, what happens here is that we are serving others, especially those of the household of faith, serving those in Christ. And so I hope, what what I hope is I hope that these questions this week will serve as an opportunity for you and your family and your life group to really walk through, hey, Am I spending too much time on pointing out their sin than mine? Am I spending too much time looking for joy and contentment in other places than Christ? Am I spending too much time serving myself and my needs and not serving others and not looking out for the interests of others, not concerned for those in my church? I, I, I think what happens here is that God gives us a graceful, graceful warning that, hey, I want you to know, church, you are in opposition to the mighty hand of God when you give yourself over to pride. But you are also in the beautiful rest of his care when we give ourselves over to a life of humility. Because why? He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble that's where I want you to rest. That's where I want myself to rest. So we don't rob ourselves of things that we can have in regards to our pride. Okay. Let me pray for us. I pray that you will allow these questions at the end. I hope pray that they'll, they'll, they'll allow, you will allow them to shape you. Love you guys. Let's go ahead and pray. Scott and Lauren, you guys can come up. Lord, I love you and I thank you for the privilege of being able to open up the word. And I know that Pride is, um, uh, is, is an issue in our lives. And Lord, we have to constantly be aware of it, deny it, suppress it, and not give in to it. Lord, pride robs us of things because it lies to us. It lies to us. At the very, very center of pride is the lie that you can be God. And my prayer, God, is that we would not try to take your place. We would not take your place. We would not sit in your seat. And I pray that as we sit here and we strive to help each other live a life of humility, that we would enjoy the grace that you give us. We would enjoy your um, your biblical community that you've offered. We'll enjoy the wisdom that you have created us to have. We'll enjoy your grace day in and day out. And so, Lord, I thank you for that grace. So I just pray that you will continually help us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow you. You deserve it. Thank you for your invitation to give all our anxieties over to you. Thank you for handling those anxieties and for giving us peace. Help our pride not to rob us of such peace. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.